Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Rhonda. And uh, today I have a special guest joining me, Dr. Juliet Tablack. And you are going to love what she has to share about how she went from being a solo practitioner, an underappreciated associate, into really having a thriving wellness center. And if you're like me, we've all had those moments where we think, oh, I'd really love to offer something that's multidisciplinary, you know, really offers a lot of value to my patients. And Juliet has done just that. So you aren't going to want to miss this episode. Here's my conversation with Juliet. Well, welcome Juliet to the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast. Uh, I will, I'm so excited that you are here today. And I think that uh, the listeners are going to get a great amount of information about how you've kind of, I don't know, I would say move from a little a solo practitioner into having this really successful multidisciplinary practice. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I don't want to be a spoiler alert, but I'm let you tell the story, but welcome. Thank you, Rhonda. I'm so happy to be here with you. I just love you so much. So, so happy. Thank uh, you. Yes, you're welcome. So before we dive into the interview, I'm all about full transparency. So I have to tell you what happened. Yes. So Juliet <laughs> and I, we had this interview all scheduled, all ready to go. And, you know, she shows up looking all cute. We're actually videoing this, but if you're listening to the podcast, you're only getting the audio and uh, she's looking all cute on camera. Uh, you know, we're doing our thing and we have this great conversation. I mean, it was great. Would you say Juliet? Absolutely. It, it was, was fantastic. So on point all the way. And we get to the very end and I say, okay, you know, thanks for, you know, being here on the podcast. And I hit the, usually at that point I stopped the record. Because there's no, we chatter a little bit afterwards before we, you know, sign off and say goodbye. And I went to hit the record button or the stop record. And on Zoom, which is the tool we're using, when I hit that button, it said recording started. (laughs) And we went through the whole thing and I did not have the record button on. And I, I mean, my face was just... (laughs) Priceless, I'm sure. But I put my hands over my mouth. I gasped and I was mortified. So Juliet was so kind to say, I said, could we do it again? And she said, sure. So this is take two. So we're going to have the same conversation, but there's never any mistakes. So there must be something that's going to come out in this conversation that didn't come out the last time that we need to get out into the world. So Juliet, take two, baby. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. (laughs) So I want everybody to get to know you a little bit. So tell us about your kind of how you found your journey, opened your first practice, and then I'll let you go from there. Okay. So I, my journey, the journey is I was an actress when I was younger. Um like literally like 18 to 22 or something like that. And then I, and I actually worked and, and made a living, which is unusual. And then after that, I I realized that was not for me. That was not the, my job. 
And um, then I started teaching Pilates and then I started, I got sick. I got really sick in my 20s and I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. And I was like, there's got to be some solutions for this that are not just taking this pill that this person's recommending. And I was lucky enough to um, have met a chiropractor at the time who was like, I think I can help you. Why don't you come into my office and we'll just work together. And I was like, I'll, I would do anything at that right. time. I was like, right. I will do it. And not only did he adjust me, but he helped me change my diet. He helped me manage, you know, lifestyle changes. I started, you know, meditating and praying and going to yoga. I mean, like I did everything that I could do to make a difference in my life. And I had been struggling for about three years. And in about two weeks, I felt like a completely different human. Oh, I love yeah. that. So that's really what got me started on thinking, you know, maybe this job is for me. This is something that I'm, obviously I feel better. I want to help other people to feel better as well. People who are struggling, maybe don't know right. that there's another option. Right. So, that's so when you, so then you decided, you said, okay, I'm going to go to chiropractic school. What was that piece of advice that was given to you? So my chiropractor, I said, oh, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to chiropractic school. So I went to my chiropractor and I said, so I'm thinking about going to chiropractic school. And he was like, that's fantastic. He was like, you know, it's not that hard. He's like, it's just like memorizing the phone book, but you know, you got four years to do it. And I was like, easy. Think about memorizing something over four years. No big deal. <laughs> and it was way harder than that. <laughs> I'm so glad he didn't um, tell me that at all. Like he must have just known that that's what I needed to hear. But it was definitely way harder than that. But that was his advice to me. I love that. I thought that was so great. Just like memorizing the phone book. It's like, why in what world is that the reality? But that's all right. <laughs> I can see where he's coming from. You know, there is a lot of memorization, but it was much, much, much more than that. So you graduated from school and then what? And then I was like, yeah, then what? And I was like, <laughs> I, I was working as an associate in another chiropractor's office. And he um, was a really busy kind of just straight chiropractor doing adjustments and really didn't offer like help or advice or like we didn't have that kind of relationship. He's a great chiropractor, but it was just sort of me in the office just trying to figure it out. And he would send me all of his um, like difficult, in quotes, difficult patients because he didn't want to deal with them. So um, talk about on the job learning. Right. So like this is sink or swim moment for you. Exactly. So then I would start seeing them and, you know, thankfully just exact, literally learning on the job as I go, like, oh my God, there's so much going on with this person and hopefully I can help them. And thank God I did. And then I was also working part-time at a Pilates studio and I had my, my own little solo practice in one of the rooms in the Pilates studio. So I was teaching Pilates and being a chiropractor at that um, studio. So I was just kind of doing my own little thing there and growing that. So you had, so you were working kind of two jobs then you yeah. were working as an associate in the practice in this other practice where you weren't having much interaction with the chiropractor at all. You were kind of on your own there really yeah. Yeah. getting the hard patients. And then you had a separate place where you yeah. were also being your own chiropractor yes. on your own with your own business and your own thing and, and doing Pilates at the same time. 
Yes. So if someone wanted to see you as a chiropractic patient, they would either go to the Pilates studio or they would go to this other chiropractor place. Exactly. Got it. Okay. So then what? So then um, I, the chiropractor I was working for as an associate, he moved to Oregon. And so I was like, well, I like, so then I went kind of full time just doing my own little solo thing. In the Pilates um, studio. Pilates studio. So I did that. That was great. And I was like happy with that. You know, I was like, awesome. But the commute was about an hour and 20 minutes from my house in traffic. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So it was pretty rough. So I was like, maybe I should find something that's a little more local to where I live. So there was an office that was looking for an associate. So I joined the office as an associate that was closer to my house in Los Gatos, California. And um, that's kind of, so then I was working still like two jobs. I still did the hour and 20 minute commute. Plus I was an associate. So there was just less days of driving, but you I was were just an things. overachiever all the way. I mean, holding down two jobs pretty consistently. That's impressive. Yeah. So I was still doing that. And then I worked in that practice for about three or so years. And then the owner of the practice um, asked if I wanted to be a partner and I was like oh okay you know like I literally just thought I was kind of going to be an employee for the rest of my life I was totally fine and happy with that and even though I was now that I look back on it really being an entrepreneur the whole time right exactly yeah. um and so she asked me if I wanted to be a partner we had this meeting um about being a partner and then she was like you know actually so during the meeting she says actually my dream would be that you would just buy the practice for me. And she's like, I'd still work here, but like she was just kind of done running the practice. You didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, that's like a different thing. And so I don't know what, I don't even know. I didn't even know what that looks like. What, what, <laughs> what are the next steps? You know, what do I have to know? <laughs> so, so that's kind of where that, that journey started. And now, so I did buy the practice and now I own it and it's been, it'll be four years, um, next month of me owning the practice. So you had no clue. So you basically, she said, actually, I'd really like to get out. I want you to buy the practice. So you buy a practice that you're already working in as associate. And now you're the owner of the practice. Yes. And what was that like? That was crazy. And my hair was on fire. And <laughs> one of the, the crazier things was that the a very original owner of the practice. So there was two, there was a previous owner even before her, she was still working in the practice. So the, the oh, person who had originally created it was still working in the practice. How'd that work out? Well, she doesn't work in the practice anymore. There you go. <laughs> you, you could have seen the writing on the wall on that one. Yeah, baby. Exactly. Um, so, you know, you start to realize like, it's one thing you're looking at all the things on paper, but then you're really in it. And like all the little skeletons come out, you yeah. know, I'm like, yeah. Oh, well that doesn't really work. And this doesn't work, but I didn't really have like solutions for things that did work. So it was just sort of me flying by the seat of my pants with my hair on fire, hoping <laughs> that I'm doing the right thing, you know, like <laughs> hoping it all works out. <laughs> oh, I love it. So what was your first, you remember like when you, you, so you really walk into a multidisciplinary clinic. So you had other practitioners in there, correct? Yes. 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 We had uh, acupuncture. So we still do and did at the time, uh, had acupuncture, massage, and then there was um, two other chiropractors. 
myself and, and that that other practitioner. Yeah. So at that time, then you you not only walked into buying a practice, but now you're managing people. Yes. Yeah. How'd that go? <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, it was bad. Like I wasn't good at it. I didn't know. I'm so like, I hate conflict. I didn't want to talk about stuff. I But I knew those things had to happen. So right. what was your biggest epic fail conversationally with, I know, sorry, I'm putting you on the spot, but oh, yeah. what was your, when you look back, you go, and everybody has those moments where you think, oh boy, did I blow that one? Like I totally didn't handle that one right. Yeah, I think, I think it has to do with hiring and firing people. Like, like how, like, it's not just one like big thing. It was like a bunch of little ones, you know, yeah. it was like, like hiring someone and not really giving them all the details of the job. Yeah. You know? And then they're yeah. like, what am I even doing? Or, you know, like, and I'm like, oh God, I didn't even tell them like what they're doing. Yeah. And now they're sitting at it, you know, so it's like, like a bunch of little things like that. Um, and I had to, like I said, fire the chiropractor that had started. Yeah. How'd that conversation go? Practice. It was one of the most terrifying things I've ever done. It was so scary. And I was actually worried that the, like I wouldn't even have a practice after that because she was so beloved and, you know, so integral right. in the practice. And um, so, yeah, it was terrifying. And it was, it. I mean, as far as those conversations go, it, it happened. But I was like, I've literally, I've done a lot of scary things in my life. And that was probably one of the scariest things I've ever done. Yeah. It's hard when you have to have those hard conversations with people because you're dealing with emotions. And when you tend to be empathetic and compassionate and healers, you know, we just want everybody to like feel better. We don't want to make people have pain, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain. And so then those conversations, they'll eat you up inside. I mean, that's ulcer material right there. For sure. I yeah. mean, my hair was falling out. You know, I was, I like, it was bad. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. So why, so you never thought you were ever going to walk into that mess or not mess, but like to own your own business and then find out, oh, hey, there's a whole lot more to this. So would it be safe to say that at that point you did not consider yourself a CEO? Uh, hard no, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> Oh, no. hard no. <laughs> yeah. So as you were running the practice then, would you say that you were running it from the mindset of a business owner or more from the mindset of a practitioner? Definitely not from the mindset of a business owner, a hundred percent from the mindset of a practitioner. And how do you feel like that mindset, having that mindset negatively impacted your growth? It just, it creates like um, kind of a hot mess, really. <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, you're, I would try to have conversations with people from that, you know, my other employees from that place. And I think there's just less clarity. There's less, um, things getting done. There's less pr productivity, um, and more anxiety and drama for me be on the inside because yeah. people don't know what they're supposed to do or, or they don't have things to live up to, or they don't have a timeline or, you know, they don't have structure. Right. And so when you were leading that from that practitioner place, really the, the place is, I mean, I know this because as a practitioner, you just kind of want to be everybody's friend. 
Yeah. You want to just like, let's just have a kumbaya. We're just going to like hang out and like, listen, you all do your job and I'm going to do my job and we're just going to get along and nobody's going to fight and everybody's going to get along, play well in the sandbox. Yeah. And when you're dealing with personalities, we know clearly that that is not the case. No. But not every personality knows how to play well in the sandbox. So what advice would you give to someone who, a practitioner who's listening, who is just starting out, they have their solo practice. They're just working by themselves, either as a solo practitioner, or they may have just like one staff person, right? Just, just, just enough for one or two people. But somebody wants, really does want to have a multidisciplinary clinic. Like I really want, I see myself with some kind of a, like a wellness center where there is massage and acupuncture and other practitioners and Reiki or, you know, meditation or Pilates or whatever. What would your knowing now looking back, what advice would you give that practitioner? I think I would recommend definitely either take a business class or some kind of coaching, something, read a book and really learn how to like the, the best advice you've given me is to wear those two hats, right? Like, where are you making your decisions from? Are you making this decision from the practitioner standpoint or are you making this decision from the CEO standpoint? Right. And it really makes a huge difference, but you have to know what the CEO things are. <laughs> so, exactly. yeah. So you got to learn, you know, what that is. And so for me, one of the best things I did was to take your business coaching, your the group class, you know, and that right. just gave like a, kind of layout of like, oh, well, these are the steps you take. And, you know, like I really needed like, what do you do? You right. know, so finding something like that, like, you know, a class or a book or, you know, I don't even know, there might be a book called How to Be a CEO. Like, I don't know. There is one and it's called A CEO Does Three Things. And it's a really, it's a small, a fairly small book. It's, I think the first, the author's first name is Trey, I believe, but he talks about the three things that you manage. And it's basically your, you know, your people, you man mention you, your people, um, your money and your culture and the culture and the people are two different things. So you have to hire the right people, which clearly, right. That's why you had to let go of your the person that was in there, but you have to bring in the right people. And then once those people are in, you have to maintain a good culture. And then you have to look at how are you generating revenue for the business? And yeah. that's really all the CEO does. So I would rec highly recommend that book. If you're listening or watching and you are looking, that's a great book. This A CEO does three things. So, yeah. okay. So there's your advice. So you would say, get some help is what yeah. you would say. Don't, yeah. Don't go in with like guns a blazing and your hair on fire all at the same time. Yeah. And I think there's that, I can't remember the exact saying, but it's like when you're trying to solve a problem from the place that it existed from in the first place, it's never going to change. Oh, so, you know, if, if you're trying to solve whatever the, the issue is from the practitioner standpoint, it's not going to be the business part of it's not going to be different. Mm hmm. So I think I have to put that other CEO hat on to be able to look at the problem differently. 
So instead of your, if your, your numbers are down and you're not seeing the number of people in the practice that you want to see, instead of looking at it, like, well, what's wrong with me and what's happening in the practice and why are these people not coming back and where are they going? That limiting belief or limiting thinking is never going to get you somewhere. But when you put your CEO hat on, all of a sudden you look at the problem completely differently and you're looking at, okay, what's our customer experience look like? Are we following up? Do we have a breakdown at the front desk? What does our marketing look like? You know, how are we, how are we reaching out to these people? Are they getting better? Are they having a bad experience somewhere else, et cetera? So it does, it changes the whole thing. That's so for a practitioner that is all by themselves, working as a solo, what would you say? Go into a multidisciplinary practice or shut up and stay still right where you are because it's way better there. What would you say? Well, I mean, it just, I guess it depends on the person, but like, I love being with people. I love connecting with people. I now love having a team, which, because I have some structure and understanding about how to be CEO, I love that. So to me, working by myself would be kind of sad every day, you know, if I didn't have that. But there are some people that that's just their jam. You know, so I think if you if you know that you really love being around people and love to really connect and kind of really work out the problems, like be kind of a problem solver and a people person all at the same time, then having a multidisciplinary clinic is for you. It's such a great way to to be able to establish yourself and really create um I wouldn't say a niche, so to speak, but you really create kind of your own little brand within the, within your community that you don't even have to call yourself the wellness center. It doesn't even have to have that in the name. It can just be how you, how you show up and people know that they can come there for a variety of things. So Juliet, talk about what you do. You just did this event this last summer. Talk about your event in the summer, what you did. Yeah, and so you do we, this every year. We've done it only twice because obviously we had the big uh pandemic Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but we did it before the pandemic as well um and we did it this past summer we had an open house and we just had i had all the practitioners there we invited all of our patients we had hors d'oeuvres on the patio we have a big patio and we had hors d'oeuvres on the patio and people could walk through the clinic and talk with the different practitioners. We had a little jazz band playing on our, our patio and Tell about your jazz band. I love this story. It's so cute. It was one of my patients who I've been seeing since he was a little boy and now he's a senior in high school and he's been playing, I think it's like the alto saxophone, like the whole time I've known him and um, his parents would invite me to their like you know, his concert. So I've been seeing him play all along and all of a sudden he's like this amazing saxophone player and he brings this kid with him on the the keyboard piano and they were like, people were like, do you have a business card? Events? <laughs> I mean, they were so good. Um, so it was just super fun, a great way for our patients patients to kind of get to know all the practitioners, what we do there, and also just to appreciate and give gratitude and thanksgiving yeah. for the people who come in and, and use our services. Like I genuinely love, I was thinking about this the other day, like love, like they're my family, my people, like every single patient that walks through the door, even the the more challenging ones. Like I love them. So yeah. I'm yeah. so, you know, grateful that they 
and want to share that with them as well. So when you put those kinds of events on, I think that not only is it a great marketing tool, I mean, clearly it is because then, you know, people bring their friends and they're like, Hey, there's free food over at Juliet's place. Let's go. And music. woohoo! And they show up, but that's the whole point, right? So it's a great marketing tool, but at the same time, it really is a way for you to be able to say, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much. And with asking for nothing in return. You just do it just because, and it really does set you apart. So if you have a practice and you're not doing these kinds of events now that at least the time of this recording, the world is open. And so you can schedule, find some time it's we're in the, in the spring as of when we're recording this. So now is the time to start planning an event like this for your own practice that you can, even if you're just a solo practitioner, just plan an event and bring, allow those people in. But Juliet, I think that's one of the things that you've done so well is just done that you've shared and showed that gratitude so authentically and your patients love it. So talk to me about now what's like, where are you at now? And then what's on your agenda in the future? Where, where is CEO Juliet going? Yeah. So, right. So we've actually grown during the pandemic, which is amazing. And I have now Uh, acupuncture, massage, Pilates, and myself. Um, I do chiropractic and functional medicine in the practice. And we have a weekly stand-up staff meeting. We have a monthly uh, kind of longer staff meeting. We have systems in place. I just hired another um, new front desk person. So we're just, we're really expanding. We're just growing and expanding. Um, And next up for me is um, hiring a chiropractic associate in my practice. So, um, I'm excited about finding the right person who, you know, can be a really great fit to the team. I would love to have another chiropractor there. And then, um, just continuing to like expand and grow. Like I feel challenged every day as a CEO, which is like, for me, I like that feeling. I like to wake up and feel like, Oh gosh, I, you know, this is like kind of the uncomfortable zone, but I like to be there because I know that's where growth and change. Yeah. And, and we so often run from the change and run from the growth because we like, we want it the same. We want it the same. Well, it's fine. If you want to like stay in the same house, live in the same town, never travel, never go meet new people, always do the same thing. Some people are just like that boy. That's just not the flavor of an entrepreneur. No. Or a business owner, like that change and that evolution and things, there's always going to be something that's not going well. I mean, when you and I talked, you know, in our coaching sessions, one-on-one coaching, you, you know, several times I've asked you and you're like, oh my gosh, thing is hitting the fan. Like I got all kinds of stuff going on, but we just work through them kind of one at a time and go, okay, what are you going to do with this one? All right, here's how to resolve that. Here's what we do with this. And, and then what you go do those things. And then what? And then it's amazing. Like, you know, things. But how do you feel then? Like what, what hap- what's the transition oh, for you? Usually the first part is, oh my God, I have to do those things. And then I go and do the things and I'm a little nervous while doing the things. But then when I've done them, I'm like, thank God. And then it, life is so much better, yeah. you know, until there's the next thing, you know? And so it's just, it's, it, it's, you know, it's definitely like, it just keeps going and growing and expanding and, that is in my own personal life, a core value of my own to constantly grow and expand. And yeah. so yeah. it fits my personality and right. my values to, right. to right. live in that space. 
And before we go, I want you to talk for a minute about your weekly stand-up meetings because they have been transformational, transformational for your business. So talk about how, what, what you do and kind of how those are structured and what your intention is for those every week. Yeah. So my, so we basically are trying to build, well, I am trying to build a culture in my business. So we start with, you know, I created some core values for my business, things that matter to me, things that I want the patient to experience when they walk in. And I, so I shared them with all of my employees and each week we acknowledge how each other has showed up in those core values. So one of the, the core values that we have is going above and beyond. So, you know, taking those extra steps to, to, whether it's helping another um, colleague or the patient or just stepping in when, when, you know, you don't have to do it, but, but you do. Yeah. 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 And so that's one of the core values. So, so we'll acknowledge, you know, say I see that in someone then I'm going to acknowledge them for doing that and vice versa. You know, we all acknowledge each other and that to, to me has really created a culture where people you know, want to rise up and fit in yeah. to that culture because we all want to be a part of something. Right. Exactly. And yeah. So that has really, really changed. And it also helps, I think, my staff feel more comfortable with communicating with me when things aren't going well, when things are, when they are stuck or they're challenged. So we have those conversations too. And um, I think it just creates not only culture, but just that kind of open dialogue. And um, you kind of, you get to check in with each other each week too, see where you're at, you know, what's going and on. The trust comes out of that because you start, you're able to be probably a little bit more vulnerable. I mean, there's been a couple of times when you said you've had like some heart attack moments inside oh. your <laughs> talk oh, about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it was, I can't remember the question, but it was like, you know, sometimes I'll ask the question, you know, questions in the meeting. Like, I think the question was, where are you now and where do you want to be? Good question. And, and, you know, I don't know what's going to, I'm just asking the question. And all of a sudden, like, you know, a few of the people are saying that they want to be doing something different. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh crap! what does this mean? Are they leaving? You know, so but it's great. It's, it was, yeah. So I had a heart attack in the meeting. Yeah. Right. Lie. Yeah. 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 But I think then, you know, it just allows me to know, like, I'm so happy now that I know that that's where those people want to grow so that I can help facilitate. That's them. it. That's it. And that's the job. That's that culture aspect of running and having a business is really pouring into your people. So if you have a person, a staff person that really wants to learn how to be great at Excel and they're not, then pay for them to go to an Excel course and go take that course or whatever it is. Like if there's some training that you can do, some way that you can help them. Our job as business owners, I believe, and Juliet, I know you believe the same thing. And that is that we want to empower our people to be better at whatever they do in the future. Absolutely. So when they look back at that, their time with us, they can say, oh my gosh, that was the best time I ever spent working for Dr. Tablack or working for Rhonda or working for whoever, 
because I learned so much and they taught me so much so that when they leave, they're smarter, better, better equipped. They have better social skills, better communication skills. They're a better team. Like all the things are better because people aren't going to die with your practice. Like you're going to die with your, you're going to, you're going to be, you're the owner. You're you're going to always have people moving in and out, but you want to keep them as long as you can by creating that culture. And that's what I love about the um, stand-up meetings that you started because you've really done that. You've created such a strong culture inside your, your practice. And it's not that the culture doesn't come with a few, you know, problems once in a while, but, but they're not anything that's insurmountable at all. No. And you know about the problems where in the past I didn't, I wouldn't necessarily even know that was a problem. Right. Whatever the problems are. Cause I was just, you know, doing whatever. Trying to be friends with everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's all just get along. Shall we? And just do our job, whatever that job is, you figure it out. Cause I'm not going to tell you. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Juliet, thank you so much. I really, I mean, I, first of all, that you were grateful enough or gr- gracious enough to do this a second time because of my error, but it's always such a privilege to talk to you. I so appreciate it. So we talked about the book. I asked you before we went on live, what is one book that you would recommend that every practitioner read either before starting their practice or now that they have a practice? What is that book? So when you asked me that, I said, I do have a book recommendation, but it's not a business book. And one of the things that that so the book that I love is called Life Visioning and it's by Reverend Michael Beckwith. And it's really about how to vision for your life. What like on a really like deep soul level. And he takes you through the steps of that. So that if you're up against something, whether it's in your personal life or in your business, and and oftentimes what's in your personal life shows up in your business. Oh, hundred percent. In my experience. Yeah. So it's just there to, to mirror you and help you grow. Um, but if you're really wanting to create something or you don't know what the next step is, or, you, you know, it just takes you through this process of visioning for what, like, what do I need to do? What is right. the next step? You know, on a, uh, without having to use your brain to do it. Right. Um, so right. that's been really, really valuable to me. Um, to help me grow just in my own personal life, but also in my business. I love that. That's such a great book. I do love that book. So I wouldn't have thought of that when I asked you, that was not even on my radar, but I can see why you chose it. It's such a great book. And then my last question is, what is the one thing you would say of everything that you've done up to this point? Like, what is the one thing that you would say has had the biggest impact on the growth of your business? I mean, honestly, working with you. Oh, I didn't expect that, but thank you. Honestly. I mean, so there's that. And also there's one other thing that I did in my, my business, but the recommendation came from you. And this is even before I knew you, it was just, I was getting your weekly emails, um, was to every week, send an email out to your patients on some fact, you know, whatever it is, like some health tip or, and so I just started doing that every single week. And my practice doubled just by sending out that one email. Yeah. Those emails, people say email or email's dead. And I completely do not agree. Not everybody reads every single email, but that's okay because you're in their inbox. And when they do find it, they go, oh, Dr. Tablack. Oh, I forgot about her. I haven't been in in a while. My neck's been bothering me. I think maybe I'll call her. 
where they would have forgotten about you because you weren't right in front of them. So exactly. um, you're quite a good student, I must admit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, Julia, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast again, the <laughs> second time, but this time's for real. I keep checking the button and yes, it says recording. So we're good this time. We are hundred percent good. So thank you so much. I love working with you. I love hanging out with you. I think we have, you know, very much mutual um, appreciation and admiration for one another. So you just are a delight for me and I'm so thankful to call you my friend. So thank you for being willing to be on the podcast. Much love to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Rhonda. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Take care. Well, friend, if you weren't inspired by Juliet's story about how she kind of started and went through, and I loved it when she talked about her hair being on fire, (laughs) because I think we've all felt that. I have. I felt like, oh my gosh, if one more thing goes wrong or one more patient complains or there's one more something that happens with a staff member or, you know, whatever it might be, sometimes it does feel like that and it feels really overwhelming. But the thing that made the biggest difference for Juliet, as well as for you and I, and that is, is that you come at it from having that business owner hat on. You really think about it as your business. This is a business that you're running, not a charitable organization. You're not running, you know, something where you're just gifting things away. You really do have to think about it like a business. And once she started to do that, and once she started to pour into her team, she she talked about like the stand-up meetings, you know, when you start to really develop your team and you start to be intentional about that, all of a sudden everybody gets on the same page and starts working together. So if you are inspired, I'm so happy about that. Make sure that you grab that book, Life Visioning by Michael Bernard Beckwith. It really is a fabulous book. Regardless of your spirituality, it incorporates lots of different concepts, but I think the underlying foundation is so, so true. And it's just about creating that space in your mind, in your heart, so that you can expand and you can do and grow the way that you really want to show up and serve the world and serve your patients. So if you're ever stuck, you need help, you just want to bounce some ideas off of somebody, eh, not sure which direction to go, call me. Let me know. Go to rondanelson.com forward slash strategy and I am more than happy to chat with you and help kind of give you some direction and guidance about what might be good next steps for you in your practice. So my friend, I'm here for you. I got you. I'll be back next week with more on the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast.